Good morning, everyone. Glad to see everybody here this morning. I know everybody's trying to visit, but it's time for us to uh, get to our business here, get to our father's business, right? So, so we are in Second Peter chapter 2. And we're at verse 18. We're going to read verse 18 through 22. This is 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. For when they speak, oh, remember we're talking about false uh, teachers, right? False preachers or teachers, however you want to say that, false teachers. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. So those are the verses we want to look at. Now, if we look at uh, question 13, how are false teachers able to allure others? If you look at verse 18. They appeal to the lust of the flesh. They, they have great words, great ways of appealing to people about the natural lust that they have, and you could be led astray so easily by those things. They appeal to people through the lust of the flesh, right? Um, and if you see a lot of them, they'll, you know, they appeal. Yes, Darnell? Oh, um, I think it's interesting that the last phrase there, a dog returns to his own vomit, that Right. We're getting a little bit into question 14, but this is right. No, this is right. The ones who have, um, and when it says, who will they seek to allure, okay? Because we can look at that. It's fine. It's the same verse. So they seek to get the new Christians and the weak Christians, someone who isn't prepared, who isn't studying, who isn't learning and knowing the Lord and what's real. They're catching them while they're still thinking in worldly ways, and, and they catch them while they're new or while they're weak. This is the same way you see predators in the wild. When, they, when wolves go after a herd of deer, say, they're not really after the herd. They're after one of the weak ones or one of the ones that's off by itself, that kind of thing. Yes? I was going to say, um, 
Some people will turn on their TV and watch the televangelists on there, and they're doing exactly what you're saying. And because uh, sometimes people from church might be sick that day, and they'll turn that on instead of watching the podcast, and they get a bunch of false doctrine, and it sounds good. It tickles their ears. You can get false teaching, yes, from from some of the from some of the televangelists. We we talked about that last week too, and uh, yeah, that can be a problem if we're not if we don't know what's in the Bible, if we don't know what's right and what's wrong, we can easily be led astray. Hmm. It's best not to hear them at all. Well, no. If you know someone's false, you don't want to you don't want to hear them or listen to them. That's true, and they are. Like you're talking about, they're they're trying to lure people with. A lot of times, the message I hear is the the kind of greedy, money, envy style of teaching, where oh, you can have all these things, you can, and they have a formula that you go by, but that formula is not really biblical. That's not the way we're really taught to be or do. That's not the heart of God. Uh, that's so, not the gospel, of Christ, because right, Christ, Christ was uh, not talking about receiving; he was talking about giving. Right. He says, if you have two tunics, give one away. The gospel is about giving, right? Yes, that's right. And he would say, you know, to his disciples, things like, you did this for me and that for me. And they'd say, well, when did we do that? Well, when you did it to me, to these my brethren, you did it to me. And, and I feel that I'm overwhelmed with the brethren today, helping me get through what I'm going through. And I appreciate it so much. And some of them are such good speakers that they can... Yes, yeah, some people are very good speakers, and they're very uh, what's the word charismatic. They they really have a good way of speaking to you and drawing you in. And uh, some people are just natural at that, you know. And and one that I personally respect somebody. He's not around anymore, but he was popular for a long, long time. Yeah, I don't see. I don't know. Like, I've heard the name say, but I don't really know of any of these people. I guess a long time ago, I decided you really have to, you really have to look at the Bible and read it for yourself. I mean, that's what, that's what the Lord and God encourages to, encourages us to do. And all through the epistles, like in Peter's epistle here, he's encouraging us to grow in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of the scriptures and the word. That's the only way to prevent us falling prey to those those false doctrines, those wrong teachings. My husband used to love that program. And then moved to a place where where they were personally eating. So it could I could see where my husband could have been easily swept into it. Yeah, you can. People do get caught up in things like that and get drawn into the, those kinds of teachings that are that are incorrect. Now, if we another part of the answer there, if you'll notice um, in verse eighteen, it says with the they speak with great swelling words of emptiness. Now, your translation might read slightly differently, but basically they they sound very profound. They sound very deep. They sound very maybe intellectual or whatever. They sound good, like you said. They, they maybe tickle their ears a little bit. But two, they just sound, you know, like they're deep and meaningful when really they're empty of spiritual value. Yes, Pat? That makes me think of the very first time sin entered into the world. 
what Satan did. Right. If you think about it, Satan, yeah, he's he's speaking to them and trying to lure them with, uh, well, basically with lies. I mean, if you want to get down to the basics of it, but yeah. And he entices them, especially Eve at first, but, but Adam's just as much to blame since he later does the same thing. But, uh, yep. Anybody have anything else on uh, question 13 or 14 since we kind of answered 14? All right. So question 15, in promising others liberty. Now remember, these verses here are mainly primarily about the false teachers, though somewhat, somewhat includes, you know, the, the victims, the ones who are deceived, okay? So, in promising others liberty, what are they themselves? Slaves. Slaves. Right. Slaves to what? Satan. Corruption, sin, Satan, all those apply. <laughs> I hear all those. What had mastered them in the past, which is sin and Satan and maybe self. Yeah. Satan right. Satan maybe. Satan maybe self. Right. Maybe self. And what had mastered them in the past, whatever their, whatever their past uh, sin was did you have something Pat? No, I just. Oh, okay. Just making sure because I thought for a minute you. Okay, that's fine. Um, so let's see. Then it asks why. Still looking at verse nineteen. Oh, well, actually, you answered the why, didn't you? Because you said they're overcome by what they had uh, uh, escaped, but. Uh, let me just read the verse for you. <laughs> for by whom a person is overcome, by him he is also brought into bondage. In other words, they're they're brought back into bondage, um, like you had mentioned to their past. And I had I had I had written here as kind of an extra question: What are they overcome with? And of course, that's their sins, the lusts of the flesh. They've been they've fallen back into their sins, even though they're. Uh, being a false teacher. So if we look at question 16 then, what had these false teachers once escaped? Right, some, some translations will say corruption of the world. Mine says uh, pollution of the world. They had escaped that. Now, um, my question here is, so what is the pollution or corruption of the world? Sin and worldliness and selfishness and all that goes with that, right? I looked up uh, some things on that, and I mean, some different, some different translations say corruption, defilement, filthiness, I found in one, one instance, so... All of those are, you know, associated with sin, sinful things. So how did they once escape? That's the second question, part of that question. By knowing the Lord. By knowing the Lord through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? And uh, that works the same as it does for everybody, right? He frees us from sin. The knowledge of Jesus frees us from sin. Now, if you'll notice, some of the things that are stated in verses 20 through 22, 
Um, the way it's written, it's a lot of they and them, and you may get a little confused at times whether he's referring to the false teachers or the or I call the victims, the, the ones being deceived. It's primarily about the false teachers, but some of those things can apply to someone who's deceived as far as, um, well, as far as what we're going to get into. So you can think of this about both of them. So let's look at question 17. What had happened to them? What had happened to the false teachers? They yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, what? They returned to their old ways. They returned to their old ways. What were you going to say, Matt? I was just going to say they fell away and they got entangled in the world again. Right. They fell away and they got entangled in the world again. Did you have something, Shirley? Oh. I thought I heard somebody else speaking. I'm sorry. Oh. I was just going to say, and the one thing is that they're worse at the end than they were ever. You know, just think about that. You have it all through Christ and all that was thrown away, and you're worse off than ever. I can't imagine. Right. Uh, and they don't even know it. They, they've become entangled in everything. They've gone back to really their old ways in a lot of ways, and, and they're worse off, right? which is part of what we're getting into in these verses. So if we look at question 18, how had their latter end become worse for them than the beginning? They knew the way of yes. Right, they knew the way of righteousness. I'm sorry, Eileen? Right, they learning about God and the Lord, and they accepted it. But through their own, I don't know, maybe enticement, maybe they're what they weren't happy. They wanted to gain something. Like usually, false teachers that we're aware of, they're an ego. They have an ego that they have to fill. Right. So they had, they had escaped by learning about Jesus, but then you, from what you're saying, they maybe they got wrapped up into their own ego, their own glory, maybe the things, maybe they want, you know, what benefits them. They could have been, yeah, looking out or I would say um, maybe enriching themselves and all the, you know, seeking their own fame, that kind of thing. Right, and we're going to that pretty. Yep, that that is very gross, especially the dog and the vomit thing. That's very gross, I know, but that's yeah, and it repulses us, right? And it's supposed to, and that's supposed to make us realize that we don't want to do that. Um, the uh, the sow and the mud. I don't find that as repulsive, but it's a it's a statement of how we are. We want to go back to the things we're comfortable with. And that's what if you've ever been to a pig pen and seen how the hogs are, that's they're comfortable that way. That's well, they have to be because they don't have sweat glands and they have to put mud and dirt on them. To cool themselves down, right? Right. Because people really 
we're not made that way. No. They've only decided to wallow with the pigs. Yep. Look at us. Yep. Yeah, we don't want to be wallowing with the pigs, that's for sure. So, the... Uh, yes. I, I, I think um, when a person returns back to the world, so to speak, in the, from being a Christian, and then they realize that they they really need the Lord. But they're just, um, they're miserable. Right. Because it's, it's truly hard for them to return. I think it's hard for them to return. Because they've gotten themselves entangled in the world so badly that, um, oh, well, I've heard some people make comments. Well, the Lord wouldn't want me anymore. I'm, I'm just, I'm too bad of a person, et cetera, et cetera. And, you, and when you try to help that person, encourage them to return, sometimes they know, they know the scriptures better than you do. And they know what they have to do, but they have to, find it within their own heart to return. So right. I, it's a tough one. It is um, hard if, if people... And that's why it's worse for them than, they, than when they first became a Christian because it, it, it's, it's hard to explain. Yeah, it's hard but for I, them I to... I haven't even known some relatives like that. And thankfully, they did return. But it was a struggle. Right, right. If they've if they've known God and then they've walked away from the Lord, it is harder to come back. And you're right. Part of it could very well be they they know what they need to do. They know what is expected and what they're supposed to do, and that can make it a, more of a challenge for them. Yes, ma'am. To build on what she's saying, I think maybe another way to say it is, you know, when we when we finally come to the Lord, we sort of break down our defenses, right? We're, we're resisting the Lord and we and then we decide to obey. Right. We let our conscience do the right thing. But then if we fall away, we already know all that. We've already been through that. And we just build all that up. And so then have that hardened conscience to react again. We've, are, we've already been down that road and we've already hardened against it. So it's, it's going to be really hard to repent. Well, that's true. If we've fallen away, and especially for any significant amount of time, you're kind of hardened in your heart as you go through all these things. You're, you're building up walls away, you know, staying away from God and the Lord. And uh, then you have to re-break down all that. You have to come back to Him, you know, with a repentant heart. So there is, there is that. That's, that's a difficult thing to do. And it's hard to, uh, it's hard to come back if you've wandered off. It's not that you can't. And certainly you're welcome. Did you have something, Shirley? Well, they know the truth. And it's really going to be tough to judge one day. Because they almost were there, but they're not. Right. Well, they were there, right? They were there, and then they they left. Because God doesn't leave us. We leave God, right? I mean, we walk away. And so, yeah. So, so I think it would really be tough to judge knowing that they... Right. They were right. And then they, they walked away. They, they and that would be hard at judgment, yeah. 
Do you have something, Andy? I was going to say sometimes it's simple pride that keeps you coming back. They don't want to have to confess I did wrong. That's true. Pride can get in the way. We don't want to admit that we were wrong. That, yeah. Do you have something, Judy? Yes, I really feel what Shirley had to say because because I feel that in some of mine and in his children, you know, both of our kids and the one, you know, once Christian and now, where are they? And you can't really can't talk to them. Right, if they about that. Right, if they've walked away, a lot of times you can't talk to uh, them if they've refused it, and then yeah, you try. Excuse me. They shut you out. Yeah, they shut they shut you out. Yeah, they don't want to talk about that or hear about that. Matt, did you have something else? Yeah, you know, thinking the big picture, we're either saved or we're not, right? <laughs> but but there's passages like James three one where it says, "Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness." So there's the sense in which there's more responsibility, there's more uh, expectation there. And I think here too. This person who became a Christian, there's a certain expectation, and then they, they fall away. That may be different than just someone who never knew Christ. Now, what does that, that translate? I mean, you're lost or you're saved, but there's something there. Well, I think when we're, when we're claiming to teach others the Word of God, or even in any way representing the Lord, that, yeah, more is expecting of us, and we have to, we have to do our best to, to live up to that, absolutely, because... Uh, I believe that verse there does say that we're going to be held to a stricter standard. Yes, Kim. Um, I was also reading in James, and uh, in James 4, if you look at verses 6 through 10, uh, it talks about God poses the proud and shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Do not be double-minded, but grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom, and humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. When we talk about someone who has a hardened heart, who's gone back into the previous life they had, a life of sin, this is kind of where I've gone in the past to try to help um, a brother or sister who's fallen away or gotten tangled up into something or strayed in their life and needs to get the relationship right with God again. Right. I think this is a, a great passage to go to, but it does speak of humbling ourselves and we get that pride and that arrogance and that boldness and going back to what we knew and we think, well, I've got this figured out. I'll do what I want instead of humbling ourselves and really, like in James, look in that mirror, look in the Word, and see the true condition that we're in, and we are not clean before Him. Right. James is telling us to remain humble and keep our hearts clean, and then that's, that's true. And maybe these false teachers are getting caught up in their own ego and in their own, you know, wants and desires and, and getting off track that way. Um, now we're looking at question 18, right? So it says it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. And I always think of these verses, and there's a couple of places you can find this, but in Luke chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, 
When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. And that's the Lord's own words regarding someone who's, you know, they've, they've cleaned up their life. They've gotten themselves in the right place, like Shirley was saying. They're, they're following the Lord, and then they, they basically allow these, these evil things back in, and it just gets worse, and you become worse off than you were before. So that's what I always think of with those. Yes, man. I've heard uh, someone comment on this verse you just read there. Um, I'm not sure if this is right or not. But it's interesting. I think that, uh, that, that the person who's had like the evil spirits in their life, however you take that, and then that verse 25, where they find it swept and put in order, someone pointed out that, but it's empty. And that maybe uh, we've gotten rid of those things out of our life. We haven't filled it with what it ought to be, like with God in our life. So then that leaves the open door for, well, come on in. There's right. You know. Now, that's an excellent point, and that is something I've heard about those verses, too, is that everything's swept and put in order, right? You've put yourself in order. You've gotten rid of the evil, but you don't fill it with God. You don't fill it with the Word of God. You don't fill that space, your heart, is what we're referring to. You don't fill that with the Lord. So then, of course, it's very easy if you're not following the Lord, it's very easy to fall back into the evils again and, and allow those evils back in to your life. So yeah, that's, that's a very good point about those verses. Now, does anybody have anything else on 18 before I move forward? All right. So question 19, we, we kind of mentioned this a little bit. What twofold proverb does Peter use to describe their sorry condition? And again, this is the a dog returns to his vomit, which is very repulsive. And then the sow, having washed, you know, returns to wallowing in the mire. And, you know, that's kind of people's nature without God to return to what we know and what we're comfortable with. So, so if we move on to the next question, because we kind of covered that. In question 20, what in this chapter reveals that these false teachers had once been saved? And there's several different comments and different verses that you can look at. If you look at uh, verse 1, the Lord had bought them, right? They had accepted the Lord. The Lord had bought them. Well, yes. In that same verse, it says they're among you. So it's like folks you're going to church with. Right, and they're among you, so they're, yeah, they're people we're seeing in our congregation, in the body of Christ. So, verse 15, they have forsaken the right way. Now, that means they were at least on the right way at some point, right? They knew the right way, but they have forsaken the right way. And then, if we look at verse 20, and that talks about where they had escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of Jesus, right? 
And then in verse 21, they had known the way of righteousness. And then verse 22, of course, about the proverb and, you know, the, the dog and the, the sow. They had at one time been clean, though. If you look at the pig part of it, they had one time been clean. They had, and they chose to go back into sin. Seen dog worse than the sow. Right, that's what I think. I think, but yeah. you know, I'm sitting here kind of chuckling to myself <laughs> because I have some stray cats, and when I feed them, lots of times this one cat, and then this happened this morning. He ate his food. First thing I know, he's throwing up. You know, yeah. They walk away. They walk away from their walk. Oh, yeah. A cat does not get up its vomit. You have to get it up. Yeah. Well, in nature, in the wild, dogs and such creatures, from what I've heard, they have to re-eat that in order to not need a scent of the pet. You know what I mean? Oh, is that the idea? That they eat it because they don't want to leave the scent behind. But, you know, humans, we leave that scent if we... If we turn away from Christ, no matter what we do. Right, right. We really do. We, we don't have that cleanliness about us anymore. Right. Yeah, we, we're we not clean, so we don't, yeah. If we return to that, yeah. Do you have something, Matt? Yeah. I was just going to say, in our culture as Americans, you know, we think of dogs as pets, but we're still grossed out by the vomit. And, yeah. And we, in our culture and farming, we, we, you know, we have hogs and we enjoy pork <laughs> yep. but, but but for the Jewish people you know not uh, Peter was a Jew so mm-hmm. he's writing from this context of the Jewish person so dogs and pigs are both unclean so that sort of amplifies what he's trying to say not only are these gross things but these are unclean animals it just sort of amplifies the point. right that, that does that does uh, amplify the point because both the pig and the dog are unclean animals and they even refer to Gentiles or other people, non, non-believers, as dogs. So, I mean, just that does, yeah, make that point stronger. Yes? I was thinking about the verse in Revelation 22 at the end there. Uh, it speaks about a blessing on us. It says, blessed are those who have washed their robes so they may have a right to the tree of life and enter into the gates of the city. These folks who have gotten tangled up and have gone back to their old ways, like the dog and the pig, 
Right. Right. They had washed their robes, but now they've gone back and they've got polluted and dirtied and everything. Right. It's such a contrast. Yeah. We like to be clean. Right. We we much prefer. I do. We much prefer to be clean. So. Yeah. We want to go get clean. We want showered and fresh clothes. <laughs> That's kind of the way God made us to be, too. We don't, we're not like animals that stay dirty like pigs. Right. We shouldn't be like the pig and stay dirty. That's true. Um, does anybody have anything else on that? All right. So I'm going to move on to Second uh, Peter chapter 3. Going to look at the objectives here and studying this, just to be reminded that there will be scoffers of the promise of the Lord's coming. Notice how Peter's going from like false teachers. Now he's going to go and talk about scoffers here towards the close of his letter. To review the catastrophic events to occur when the Lord returns and the promise of new heavens and a new earth. To note Peter's estimation of Paul as a brother and his epistles as scripture, which is something to pay attention to. I've, I've heard people make all kinds of weird claims about Paul. That's why I say I, I think that's important. To carefully consider the twofold admonition at the end of the epistle. So our first question, as always, is what are the main points of the chapter? And the main points are the first nine verses are primarily about the scoffers. Scoffers will come. And then the uh, second half is the day of the Lord will come. Because we know that's coming. The day of the Lord is coming. So I'm going to stop here, actually, because we're at time. And we will come back and pick up with chapter 3 next week. Thank you all so much for your attention and your participation.